Welcome everyone, go ahead and have a seat. I wanna welcome everyone, greetings to our King of Kings family. Welcome back, it's great to be together with everyone again and Melissa and team, thank you for giving us some great moments just to engage in worship with the Lord, to be able to uh, remember that he's the center of our lives and to refocus our hearts and our lives back there. It's a great to be together again tonight. We want to also welcome our online family, our online community that's joining us really from around the world. And we want to say welcome to you guys. Thanks for coming all the way to Jerusalem to be with us here tonight. We know you had to come a long way to get here, but we're glad that you're here. And we have some friends in the audience tonight that we want to welcome and uh, greet. We have a, a special friend coming all the way from Houston, Texas. I don't know where he's at. Pastor Don Munton, his wife, Denise. Guys, I know you're here. Raise your hand so I can see you right there in the middle. Guys, welcome. Great to have you here with us from Houston's First Baptist. Look forward to spending a little bit more time with you guys later tonight. Pastor Chad is traveling. He's going to be uh, gone for a few weeks. He's traveling and representing us, representing you as he's traveling through the, the states and uh, representing Israel and King of Kings and explaining what God is doing here in our midst. And so we want to keep him and his family in prayer as they're ministering, as they're traveling. They're also going to spend a couple of weeks there in, in vacation time. So praying that God would refresh them and renew them. He's got lots of meetings scheduled in front of him. If you know Pastor Chad, there aren't any dull moments in his schedule. Every single minute is accounted for. So we want to continue to lift him in prayer as they're traveling and ministering and that they'll bring back a good report to us tonight. And then I also want to say a big thank you and a goodbye to our longtime friend, Dirk Poppendicker, who's been with us gosh, for seven, eight years, and is getting ready to go back to his hometown in Germany. But we want to say goodbye to Dirk and say thank you for everything that you've done as you've served in the community here. You've seen him. He's one of our greeters. He's about five feet taller than me. He has a smile that goes from side to side. And uh, we want to say thank you to Dirk as he's getting ready to go back. So let me ask you a question as we start off tonight. <clears throat> This is a personal question, so you're not going to be giving me the answer. I want you to process this question. When you first came to know the Lord, go back to those moments. And as you were coming into relationship with the Lord, what was it that you knew about God? How well did you know? And maybe it would be another way to say that. How much did you know about God? And how much was that? What about God gave you the confidence to say yes to him being the Lord over your life? What was it that gave you a confidence to say yes, you can be the Lord over my life? Now, when you think back to that picture and now you've walked with the Lord for a period of time, how much of that picture was true? How much of that understanding that you had of who he was is still the same today and has it changed and how much has it changed? Is he like what you first thought God was like in those first days, what you imagined and dreamed and understood? And how has that understanding or that picture of who God is, how has that picture changed? Has it grown? Has it diminished? 
Has it gotten bigger? Has it gotten smaller? Is God somehow bigger than that first original picture? Or is he smaller? Now, one last question. Now, as you've walked with the Lord for a period of time, even if you're a new believer, you've got some experience under your belt. You've walked with the Lord. What did you think that journey was going to look like as you walked with the Lord? You said yes. You knew you were going to walk with him. What did you imagine that that journey was going to look like? And, and now as you look back at the journey, the steps that you've taken to get to where you're at today, does that match what you thought it was going to be? Is it different? And, and what ways is it different? Now, if I answered that question, I would tell you that what I thought the journey with Yeshua was going to look like was going to be a, a little bit like this. Guys, you can throw that picture up onto the screen. This is what I thought walking with the Lord was going to look like. It was going to be a gradual up, not too hard, with a great finish line at the end. And God, and I honestly believe this, I felt like God was going to more or less make life an easy path, that it was going to be something that he was going to cover over all of the, the bad parts. Nobody taught me that. I just sort of imagined that now as, as Yeshua is my Lord and I'm following God, I've committed my life and I've put it in his hands, now this, this path, this life's going to be a lot better than where I just came from. It's going to be a lot easier. The problems are going to be a lot simpler to solve. Today, 40 years later, now no judgment, 40 years later. Wow, what a great number, isn't that? I celebrated 40 years with the Lord in February. 40 years. Now my reality looks a little bit more like this. This is what that path has actually looked like. <laughs> now, as you look at that map, where are you on that map today? <laughs> I'm assuming that most of us, if we've walked with the Lord for a period of time, you've experienced the same thing. Chances are this is all so your story, that we, we thought that this path with the Lord was going to be a certain way, and now after several uh, several days and weeks and months and years walking with the Lord, we see that some of it was true, but a lot of it doesn't, doesn't fit. A lot of it's changed. Much of our journey with Yeshua is beyond what we um, expected, imagined, or even dreamed would be a part of our lives. I would say, as I look back at my walk in my journey with the Lord, that much of what I've experienced with the Lord has been amazing, and it's been beautiful, gracious. The Lord is far more than I ever anticipated, but it's also been more challenging than I expected, more difficult, and in some ways, it's a good thing that we didn't know that this was what the path was going to look like. <clears throat> When we said that robust, yes, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. If we would have known what was in front of us, chances are we probably wouldn't have had such a robust yes. It would have probably been a, a yes, maybe with some conditions. Yes, if, but we said yes. 
And, and we didn't know the beginning from the end. If we'd known everything that was going to be a part of this walk with the Lord, this journey, all the bumps and the twists and the turns and the challenges and the difficulties, it's a good chance we wouldn't have had such a hearty yes. And yet, I can say with great confidence that if it wasn't for the bumps and the twists and the turns and the difficulties and the challenges, I wouldn't know the Lord like I know him today. I know the Lord better today because of those things than I ever would have if the road would have stayed flat and smooth and and gradual and plain and easy. I've learned, and and I know that you have learned, what it means to live by faith, to walk by faith with the Lord through this journey with the Lord. And though this journey hasn't exactly been what you or I imagined or what we thought it was going to be like, our faith has been engaged. We've had to engage that faith. And we've grown. We've grown with the Lord. My faith, your faith, has grown from a simple sapling that couldn't hold up any weight to a healthy weight bearing tree that you can build a treehouse in today. And this is God's design. This is how God works in our lives. This process that works over and over again in our lives as he builds up and strengthens our faith to be a robust, durable faith. Now, it's important that I insert right in here this idea I didn't know what Pastor Elia was going to share tonight. I had no idea. All he knew was that we were going to be talking about this new series that we're getting ready to launch tonight. He had no idea that we were going to be talking about faith, but God did. So tune in your ears. God has something that he wants to say to you tonight. He has something he wants to say to us tonight. He's worked behind the scenes and he coordinated those topics to be spoken to you tonight, you need to hear this. Look at the person next to you and say, I need to hear this. Right now, I need to hear this. So we see this process that takes place in our lives over and over again as we walk with the Lord in the life of a believer, the the followers of God, the followers of Yeshua. And and this is the process that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. We're kicking off a new series tonight that we're calling Deconstructing God, God's True Character. We're going to go throughout this summer looking at Deconstructing God, God's True Character. It's a bit of a provocative title, and it might make some of us feel comfortable to say Deconstructing God, but I know that we're going to walk away with a greater and deeper, more intimate relationship with the Lord. And I'm excited about it because essentially what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks is we're going to be doing a character study of God. We're going to be looking at who God says he is and who God is from his word. And and we're going to be examining the lives of some different biblical characters as we look at this process of deconstruction. Our goal this summer is to expand and to grow our understanding, our knowing of who God is, pushing out the boundaries, making it bigger, expanding our picture so that it's it's accurate, 
so that it's stable, so that it's regal, so that we can describe to the world around us who God really is. Each week we're going to grab a different character out of the Bible and we're going to have different uh, leaders within the congregation that are going to be sharing these messages with us as we look at this process of deconstruction that takes place in each one of our lives. The, the tearing down of the inaccurate, the incomplete, the immature pictures of who we thought God was and replacing them with accurate, bigger stable pictures of who God is, highlighting the growth that takes place in this process of deconstruction and the fruit that comes out on the other side, a robust and a durable faith. We're playing off of a, a, a phrase, we're actually taking back a phrase, if you will, the, uh, the term that's been used over the last few years of deconstruction. This is a, a word that's being used to describe a person walking away from faith in God. They're deconstructing. Over the past several years, we've seen an increased number of people that are walking away from faith. Predominantly, this is happening in the younger generation. And, and they're walking away from faith in God because God hasn't turned out to be who they thought he was. The process then of stepping away from faith within the world's description is this process of deconstructing or deconstructing from the faith. And what it means is that an individual, a believer, begins to examine their faith. They begin to ask lots of questions about who God is and, and, and questioning the authority of Scripture and questioning God's character and is God really who he says he is questioning whether or not any of this is real. But what, what's more than the questions and, and what is happening in many of these instances is what they're really wanting is an answer for every possible scenario of their walk and their journey with God. They want an answer for every question. They want what is called certitude. Certitude is that freedom from any doubt they want a certainty from God, especially in this area of faith. They want to know the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning with no unknown uh, areas, no mysteries, no surprises, no faith. And while questioning uh, what we believe and why we believe it, questioning who God is and how God works in our lives is actually needful in the life of the believer. It's actually healthy for us, and it's required for a strong relationship with God. In most cases, when we dissect this phenomena of deconstruction, what's really, what it really comes down to is a matter of faith. It's a dilemma that each one of us face, and you're going to recognize it. When I, will I obey God? Will I obey his ways, his word, can I and will I submit to his authority, especially if I can't see the end from the beginning? Will I trust him? Will I walk in faith? Will I believe in something that I can't grab a hold of, that I can't see and know or understand? And though this is the way that the world has been using this 
idea of deconstruction, what we want to do over the next few weeks is grab a hold of this word and examine this much-needed biblical process that takes place all the time in each one of our lives and highlight it for what it is in our lives, this deconstruction which plays out in the life of every believer. And this is what I mean. All throughout our lives, we gather information about who God is. We, we gather information from congregation as we come in. Uh, if you grew up in congregation, we, we gathered information from Sunday school. We gather information from others. And as we watch what God is doing in their lives, and we gather information from his word, and we put all of these pieces together, right or wrong, to put together for us a picture of who God is and, and so that we can understand what he's like. From the very moment that we met him and, and actually even before we met him, we were gathering pieces. And then as we came into relationship with him, we, we put all of those pieces together to make this wonderful picture of who God is. And then we say to ourselves, this, this is who God is. This is who God will always be. I can count on God to look like this, to act like this, to behave in these ways, to not do these things, but to always do these things. This is who God is. And in a way, in our humanness, we are also looking for a, a fragment of certitude. We want an, unex uh, we want an explainable God. We want a predictable God. We want a God that we can define and that we can defend. A, a God that makes sense to us and to the world around us. We want a stable God. So for many of us, our perspectives of God are based in these kinds of things. And then we, we draw our pictures with sharp, straight lines, with solid colors with hard edges, with very little wiggle room left, with any doubt of who God is and, and how he works and, and what he can do and what he won't do, and so on. The problem with this, though, and you already know where I'm going, God never really can fit into our picture. He's so far beyond anything that we can imagine, anything that we can even comprehend, that our, our pictures can't possibly begin to contain the immensity, the enormity, the complexities of our God. We can never fully grasp the true, full character of who God is in our pictures. And this is why Paul says to the Corinthians in the, book, in the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter two, he says, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has ever conceived. These are the things that God has prepared for those who love him. No eye has ever seen it, ear heard it, no mind past, present, or future, will ever be able to conceive it until we're there in eternity. What God has prepared for those who love him. 
He goes on in, in chapter 13 to say, for now in this earthly, fleshly life, for now we know in part. We know, but we don't know the full. We know in part. And we prophesy, he says, in part. But when, when the completeness comes, he says, when we step into eternity, when we walk into that eternal kingdom, what is in part will disappear. He goes on to say, for, for now, in this earthly life, uh, we're, we're looking through a mirror dimly. But then, in eternity, we're going to see face to face. The message version says, we don't see things clearly. We're, we're squinting in a fog. We're peering through a mist in this earthly life. He says, now I know in part. I don't know the full. I don't really understand the fullness of who God is. But then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. That's something to look forward to. Said a different way, we'll never fully know and comprehend in our finite earthly human lives, as hard as we try, the fullness, the immensity of our God. But in that picture, more than that, God, in his boundless love for you, in his boundless love for me, and because of his commitment to finish the work that he began in each one of our lives, to bring us into full maturity, he won't let that incomplete and immature picture of who he really is ever get set in stone, become solid. He gracefully and graciously continues in each one of our lives to broaden that picture, to push out the edges, to dare, tear down the old picture so that we can know him more fully, step by step, day by day, year by year, we grow so that as we step into eternity, the shock is less. Deconstructing God. This is the process that we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks, this God-initiated process that we see that happens in the life of the follower of God over and over again. It doesn't just happen once. It happens over and over, several times in, in small ways, and then sometimes it happens in drastic, dynamic, earth-shattering ways in our lives as whole floors and ceilings and walls get ripped out of things that we thought we knew about God as he replaces them with accurate pictures. One of the funnest jobs that I ever had was a, a, a job that I had during college. And uh, I, I worked part-time for a, a construction company. And this construction company specialized in remodeling office spaces and storefronts. And I will never forget this moment as we stepped into this beautiful office complex. It was a huge floor, uh, took up the whole floor of this building, huge office complex, and we were going to remodel it. And I remember thinking, it doesn't look so bad to me. If I was them, I probably would just leave it the way it is. Why rip out this, this carpet? It looks like it's new. And the walls are nice, the pictures are nice. 
And then we had the fun job, and this was the part that I loved, with sledgehammers, tearing down the walls and ripping out the carpet and tearing out all of the fixtures and ripping out the ceiling and throwing it away. And I remember distinctly walking into this space now that had been completely ripped out and thinking to myself, oh my goodness, this is a mess that's never going to look good. How can they make this look good? And slowly, slowly. Now, I worked part-time, so I didn't get to see the full work. And I would work other places, and then slowly, slowly, I'd come back to this place, and it turned into a gorgeous, top-of-the-line office complex and space. I'm sure that the building went up several thousand dollars in price because of this one space. This is the process that we're talking about as we journey together with God, where God gracefully comes into our lives, testing our faith. He challenges us on our ideas, our concepts, our our pictures that we've adopted, that we've created of who he is, removing and deconstructing the old parts and removing them, the incorrect ideas and pictures, removing the idol, if you will, of certitude and replacing it, rather, with a beautiful, bold, robust, durable faith and picture of who he is, a faith that's based in the true character of who God really is. Dr. Julie Slattery describes this process this way. This is our key point for tonight. Deconstruction, she says, has to take place in order for faith to grow in our lives. She says, faith doesn't always grow when it's challenged, but it won't grow unless it is challenged. I want to say it again. Deconstruction has to take place in order for faith to grow in our lives. Faith doesn't always grow when it's challenged, but it can't grow unless it is challenged. God graciously steps into our lives and challenges our faith, challenges our perspective of who he is. And he's always in the process of growing our faith, of remodeling our picture so that we can know him. And we can know him fully. And in this process of reconstruction, Our faith is strengthened and we have a robust and durable faith that's ready for any kind of situation or circumstance in our lives. We see this process played out in the lives of the men and women that are in the Bible. And I challenge you to go and start looking at some of these characters. We're going to be looking at a lot of different characters throughout the the next coming weeks. We're going to be looking at men and women, and I'm really excited about digging into their characters, their lives, and looking at this process that takes place in their lives. But tonight we're going to be looking for just a couple of seconds here at probably the character where this is displayed the greatest, the story and the life of Abraham, who is described as the father of our faith. Now, God is speaking to us something tonight 
And, and I want us to grab a hold of this. God wants us to hear something about faith tonight. And we need to, to tune our ears and then grab a hold of what he has to say. Abraham, scripture tells us, was called by God to go to a new country where God would give to him his inheritance. And so in faith, faith in God, faith in God's character, somehow Abraham knew enough about who God was that he was able to, uh, in faith, step out and he obeyed God. Hebrews describes to us that by faith, Abraham, when called to go to the place where he would receive his inheritance, obeyed and he went, even though he didn't know where he was going. That's real faith. He didn't know the beginning from the end. He didn't know where this was going to lead. He stepped out in true faith. We could say at this point that Abraham knew who God was. He knew him enough to say, okay, if God says he's going to give me an inheritance, I'm going to step out. Now, lots of us would do this. There's a, there's a promise in front of us. There's an inheritance that God wants to give it to us. I'm going. I'm stepping in. I'm going to move where God moves. Then as, as Abraham comes into this promise, steps into this territory, this land, God promises Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 that he's going to bless him, that he's going to make him a great nation, that he's going to be the father of many nations. Abraham grabs a hold of that promise and he begins to live into it and, and apply it into his life. But in spite of God's promise, Abraham and his wife Sarah remain childless. How is he going to be the father of many nations? He doesn't even have one child. In spite of that, though, Abraham continues to grab a hold of and believe in faith that God is who he says he's going to be. He continues to believe that God is a, a keeper of promises, and he and Sarah decide to help God out so that God can keep his promise. And this, this is where Ishmael comes into the story. But God stretches and expands Abraham's faith. See, Abraham was a lot like you and me. He also wanted certitude. He wanted something that he could see with his eyes, something that was tangible that he was believing with his heart. And so he was going to help God make this promise happen. God expands and, and exercises and puts to exercise Abraham's faith and promises him a son, the son that would carry the promise, the blessing of God, and, and then miraculously, God gives Abraham and Sarah a son, their own son from their own flesh and blood, from their own loins. And in spite of their age and in all the circumstances that were against them, now the promise is tangible. It's right there in front of Abraham's eyes. Now everything's in place. Finally, the promise is as good as done. Everything's there. And, and now we just have to wait for God to accomplish his promise until God says to Abraham, I want you to take a step of faith. I want you to sacrifice your son. And now Abraham's faced with a dilemma. 
He's not just sacrificing his son, mind you. He's sacrificing the promise. If I kill this son, which I'm now 100 years old, I'm not going to have another one. How is God ever going to fulfill that promise? I'm not only killing my son, my one and only son, I'm killing the promise. God asks Abraham to do the unthinkable. You see, Abraham, like me and like you, was in danger of making an idol of God's promise, making an idol of God's calling, putting the promise before the promise maker, putting the faith, putting his faith in the tangible rather than putting his faith in what can't be seen. But God, in great love, stretched and challenged Abraham's faith, essentially saying to Abraham, will you put your faith in me, Abraham? Not in the promise, not in the son, not in your location. Will you walk by faith and not by sight? Abraham, as difficult as it was, allowed God to begin to de- deconstruct all of his preconceived ideas and notions and understanding of who God was and how he worked and how he kept his promises. And he laid out his son before God, giving back to God, letting go of everything that he understood and that he knew. And in faith, laying his son to be sacrificed before God, allowing God to remodel and to reshape and to grow his faith and to grow his picture of who God is. Now on the other side, Abraham knows God. He knows God's true character. More than that, Abraham's faith is durable. He can face anything now. And this is what the process of deconstruction looks like in our lives. How it works as we walk in faith with our God. Not by sight. Without certitude. See, God invites us on this journey with him. And he he never really promises us that it's going to be easy. He also doesn't promise us that it's going to be hard. But he does promise us that he's going to be with us till the end that he's going to continue to do his work in us till the end. And just going to remind you, you're not at the end yet. He's still working in you in this process so that you have a bigger picture of who he is. Then as we walk with him, he tells us to keep our eyes set and fixed on him. As we're walking with him to walk by faith and not by sight, to keep our eyes on him, to keep our eyes on him in faith, not on the circumstances, not on the situations around us, not on the settings around us, not on the people around us and what's happening in their lives, not even on the calling in our lives and his working in our lives. We're to keep our eyes on him alone. Paul describes this for us in Hebrews 12 after he goes through the heroes of the faith in chapter 11. All of the heroes of faith. And then he gets to Hebrews chapter 12. 
And he says to fix our eyes on Yeshua, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. In Romans, Paul tells us, he challenges us with this reality that the righteous, you're the righteous, the righteous live by faith. We don't live by sight. We don't live by what we can see or what we can feel. We live by faith in who God is and what his character is. John tells us in 1 John 5, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world around us, even our faith. Paul reminds us in Hebrews eleven six, and Pastor Elia told us tonight that without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to walk with God. This is why people are deconstructing. They're not walking in faith. They want an answer for every single thing that they come upon. And they, they're not willing to step into a gray, dark area where there isn't seemingly something to put my foot on. Paul tells us that it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And that's great stuff. So we're going to wrap this up. I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come up. And I just have a few closing thoughts for us tonight. I want to ask you again to go back to that moment when you said yes to Yeshua. I wish we had time to hear each one of our stories tonight. It would encourage and strengthen our faith. But at that moment, how much did you know about God? What did you know about him that made you put your confidence in him? See, God never forces himself on us. And yet, all of us can say today, we know him better than we did when we began. God invites us on this journey of discovery to discover not just his calling and his will and his plan for our lives, but to discover who he is. That's what he really wants us to discover, who he is, and to step into relationship with him, his true character. He wants us to know him in an exquisite way as we journey with him to not remain in the same place for the rest of our lives. The same static understanding of who he is stagnant in our relationship with him. This process then of deconstruction and reconstruction that takes place in our lives is how he removes the old, replacing the new with what his character is truly like. Now, I want to challenge you with these thoughts. As the days grow darker around us, it's going to become more and more crucial for us as God's people to know who God is, to really know God, to know his character, to be able to see who he is in the crowd. Yeshua tells us in Matthew 24 and Peter tells us in 2 Peter 2 and 
they both warn us that in the last days there's going to be great distractions. Not just mild distractions. Great distractions. Many false prophets, many false messiahs, destructive heresies that will even deceive some of the elect, will deceive many on the earth. And as God's people, we will have to walk by faith and not by sight, not by what we hear, not by what we feel, but in faith of who the true character of God is. Not by sight, not by certitude, lest we miss our God in the crowd. This is how I've often viewed these, these last days that you and I are living in. How do we know that we know God? How do we know that we know him? How do we know that we're going to recognize him? How do we know that we're going to recognize his movement, his words, his ways in the earth around us in the days to come? God is going to move in ways that none of us anticipate, none of us expect. And he's relying on us to know that it's him that's moving. When God came to the earth the first time in the person of Yeshua, the Messiah, the only God people on the earth at the time, they didn't see him. They didn't recognize him as God, as God's own son. They were so disconnected from God's true character. They, they missed him completely. This can't be God. God doesn't work like this. God doesn't do these kinds of things. This isn't the Messiah. The entire time Yeshua was working on his earthly ministry on the earth, he was deconstructing their preconceived ideas of who God is, tearing down the, the traditions that they had built up by feeding miraculously thousands of people, healing multitudes of all kinds of sickness, blindness, lameness. Those who were possessed, possessed by spirits, ministering to and with women, embracing children, raising up the dead, healing on the Shabbat, walking on water, and spending time with you and me, sinners. But they wouldn't allow that process of deconstruction. Mm -mm -mm. That's not how God works. That's not what God looks like. That's not what God's going to say. And they missed him. They chose rather to walk by sight, not by faith. And they missed God's salvation. And this is an example to us. This is a warning to us today. If they missed him, his words, his movement, his life, right in front of them, so can I. So can we, if we don't know him. If we're playing religion, if we're playing church, if we're just coming and doing the, the Christian thing, we're going to miss God as he moves in the earth in front of us. We're not going to recognize him. 
we're going to think he should look this way and he should act that way. We're going to miss him. God wants to expand your picture of who he is. But he can only expand it as he tears down the wrong picture, as he deconstructs what we've built up that isn't correct. We've got to learn how to walk by faith. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 2, I have been crucified with Yeshua. It's no longer I who live, but Yeshua, the Messiah, who, who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, on the earth, as a human being, I live by faith in the Son of God, not by sight, not by certitude. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He gave himself for you so that you could also walk by faith. Would you stand with me tonight? I don't know where you're at in your faith. I know that this message challenges me. I really want to build that strong, hard picture of who God is that never changes. That's how I'm built. I want him to be the same every single time. He's not going to stay there, folks. He's, he's never going to stay there. Can you walk by faith? Mike, can you walk by faith? This is the challenge for God's people today. Will we allow that process of deconstruction in our lives so that we can have a stronger and a robust faith? Let's pray. God, I want to ask that you would expand the territory of our understandings. God, illuminate a broader, deeper, more profound reality and picture of who you are. And we're inviting you, God, to come into our lives. And though that process of deconstruction, it doesn't feel good. It challenges our, our senses. It scares us. When the world shakes underneath us, when the thing that we wanted to stand firm in our lives shakes and wobbles, but we know it's worth it because you're the initiator of this process. You're the one that's working in each one of our lives. So come God, teach us to walk by faith, to not walk by sight. We pray that in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Let's continue to worship the Lord.